Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terrilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. everybody. This is Tara Lynn and I have a high five this week. I feel like I've been high fiving my husband Jeff a lot lately, but you know what? He's rocking it. So I'm soon bracing it. So my high five, <laughs> I don't know if it should be a face palm to me or a high five for him, but I'm trying to stay positive. So I'm going to do a high five for him. And that is that I have for months and months, there's several places in my house where I have just neglected, like it's just piled up and stuff I gotta go through and I have it and then I, and then I avoid it. And anyway, Jeffrey, this last week, I had taken the kids skiing for ski team and I come home and he, no joke, had cleaned out, it was my office. Like we had just, just had so much stuff in, cleaned out the office amazing cleaned out the storage room in the basement which i don't know how you guys feel about basement storage rooms but they're a nightmare <laughs> well ours was a nightmare cleaned it out i didn't know where I, it's incredible cleaned out his own whole entire clothes thing and there were several oh and waxed all the floors in our house yeah. like wow this is in one day guys so we had it was martin luther king day on monday and so we had my kids home and I was like, guys, let's clean out in the garage. Like, let's clean out our buckets of shoes because we have two giant buckets of shoes that are totally disorganized and they're kind of miserable. So I have this, the system is they each have their own shoe shelves with coat racks. I'm like, let's actually go through our shoes. Which ones don't fit us? Put them on our coat racks. And as we were talking about it, my oldest, Lydia, she was like, guys, if daddy can do this, clean out the storage room, clean out the office, wax the floors, clean out all of his clothes in one day, we can clean out two buckets of shoes. <laughs> my boys are complaining about it anyway. And they're like, we're not in the mood for shoes. And I'm like, he was in the mood for shoes. Nobody's ever in the mood for shoes except for some people. And I admire those people, but it's not me. And so anyway, so my high five is to, I don't even know, I don't know how he does it, but it's pretty amazing and inspired us to <laughs> clean out our shoe buckets. But there's just something about, and it feels so good. I mean, like I walk into that, those two rooms and I'm like, ah, this is just so nice. It's incredible. Absolutely amazing. And I can't believe it took me so long. I'm not doing it. So I feel <laughs> really bad about that. But I am also very impressed. And honestly, it makes me think I need to just be a lot better at there's a big job that I don't want to do. I just got to do it. Organization is so satisfying. satisfying. I just love it so much. But it's also, it is hard to get up the gumption to actually do it. I literally was thinking about this this week. So Jeff, you're an inspiration to me as well, because I'm like, there's certain small things that, you know, they've built up and I'm like, I got to organize my pantry, but I'm like, mm, I don't want to do that on my free time. I want to relax on my free time. Anyway. So, so you know, the child whisperer types Yeah. type three which is what Jeff is, and me. That's like the best kind of job for a type three. So if you have like a type three person or kid, it's like something that they can, a big thing that they can plow through and see like start to finish. Mm. Where like the little detailed things are like, you just want to die. Cause like those kind of jobs, like that sounds so fun to me. Oh my gosh. 
We're like sewing. I want to punch someone. That sounds horrible. I don't even understand what you're saying. Like I get it in my brain, but I don't even understand what you're saying. But yeah, and yeah, it's cool because he's like, I've moved mountains and check it off the list. But there's also a downside because then when you can't, like if you are at all interrupted by kids or anything like that, it's like super frustrating. Mm -hmm. Where other types can like embrace spontaneity. Is, anyways, their strengths and weaknesses, but that's really interesting. Well, I admire it so much because it's difficult for me to fathom. And it's nice to have d- two different types in a house. Yeah. Then it's so like all pushing 24-7 or whatever. Yeah, you balance it. Yeah. Yeah, because I think my secondary might be a type 3. So I do feel it a little bit, but I think now, anyway, yeah, I think we'll have to go after a while. But it's nice, fun. Jeff, because that, that does sound good. It was impressive. And I do my miracle morning in my office. And so even my Miracle Mornings, like, I feel like I get, I, I've read so many minimalism books because I aspire and I want that, but it's a joke that I even say that. Cause if you know me, <laughs> you just walk in my house, you're like, a minimalist does not live here. <laughs> but I can see what they're saying. Even my meditations in the morning are so much better because I'm sitting in this pristine, clear place. Mm-hmm. I don't have piles everywhere. Like I normally do, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's, I would say my greatest weakness, but it's, I really admire that and people's strengths. And it does make a difference. Your space makes a difference. That's true. So apparently all those books that I've read are saying It's true. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Um, so mine is also a high five. And it is to um, using cousins to help our cause. So I have a two-year-old at home, as many of you guys know. And he... We, I don't know if anybody else has this, but we go through phases of, with many things, but specifically with toothbrushing, where sometimes it's fine and it's not a struggle, and then other times it's definitely a struggle. And it's, nobody likes to end the night on like, just like this hard struggle of like, and it's just like, can we just brush the teeth without it being Ugh, a hard yeah. thing? Anyway, so we were going through a phase where it was rough. Like, there was you know, crying from multiple parties, just kidding, really just mainly from the two-year-old, but like, it was just so much emotional, like, like intensity. And so me and Cameron were like, this is miserable, like, this is horrible. So we reached out to the cousins to send um, like a video of them brushing the teeth because we're like, maybe if he sees them doing it, he will want, like this, this won't be such like a drudgery task. And it totally worked because, so Parker and Felicia, they have three boys and um they did a video of all of them brushing their teeth and sunny the youngest one has to kind of get his teeth brushed which is what we do with Emmett because he's two so it was good because he got to see like the older ones like actually doing it themselves which he thought was cool and like sunny was just like this docile <laughs> creature getting his teeth <laughs> which was so not how our teeth brushing looks at looked at all but since then so we watched it like probably every night that we brush his teeth for probably a solid week and he would just be like mesmerized the whole time. So we would like brush his teeth and he would have it like <laughs> he would just do it. And then like now we don't use the video anymore. It's been probably a month or two. I don't know how long it's been. But it was a total success because now teeth brushing is like not a problem. And I don't foresee that like it, it could be hard again. But I actually think I mean, I have that video saved as one of my favorites because <laughs> we like blow it up. And the plus to it is that it's hilarious because yeah. Parker's commentary and it just cracks me up like I laugh I was showing them at the beginning <laughs> it's just so funny we were laughing so, so hard <laughs> anyway at one point he's like not only are teeth brushing cool 
but it's safe. <laughs> like he's doing some infomercial so about funny. teeth brushing as he's like just <laughs> brushing away. So it's a plus because not only does Emmett like it, but I actually like it. it like soothes me, which is nice. And it like cracks me up. So it's a win-win for everybody. And it's so funny because Emmett knows the video really well. Like he'll repeat. Like he knows certain lines that happen in it. Like at the very end, they all do a thumbs up. So he like does the thumbs up back to them. <laughs> anyway, it's adorable. So, so high five to other people also helping raise your children in like diverse ways. So it's a good nice. example of the village and how we can use technology as part of our village. Like mm -hmm. your potty training, send, have your cousin send messages. Which how, I might. How awesome <laughs> they think yeah. it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you just awesome, man. I'm so happy for you. You know what I mean? Whatever. That's really cool that you can do loves. that. Because kids love that. Yeah. And he like loves the cousins, loves it, loves it. So. So it was a definite success for us, for sure. High five. So if anybody's struggling with teeth brushing, you can try that. Heck, I'll send you this video. <laughs> it's it's pretty rounds. Cool. All the cool kids brush their <laughs> teeth. <laughs> it's funny, too, because you read books and watch, like, Elmo do the potty, but it's just brilliant to think for you and Cam to be like, let's have the cousins send a video. Yeah. That's so good. smart because he knows that and loves yeah. them. It was Cam's idea, too. So, yeah, thanks I for you. thinking of it. And, yeah. So I also have a high five. I feel like we need a little button. <laughs> we have a friend at the gym that we go to, Rick. Shout out to Rick. If you're listening, you're probably not. But Rick <laughs> created buttons for when people like succeed at working on something at the gym that they've been working on and or also fail these little buttons that you push and it will like say something. But I feel like we need a button for a triple high five. Like, ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. That's our button. So my high five is to... Um, I guess it's too boredom, but my, so the, my kids have had two days off school and yesterday my Cohen, he's seven, he was like, I'm going to go make a zip line in the backyard. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> You're going to make a zip line? You're seven. Yeah. Like, what the heck? Literally, I'm in my kit or my laundry room that looks out to the backyard and him and his friend are just flying down a zip line. Oh my gosh, like, I one that is not like they're like i could have gone on it that's how high it was wow success like a pulley everything then they cohen comes running in mom we need to call papa we need the sledding pad so parker's parents have a hill that they sled down in front of their house and they put a pad on the stop sign so that you don't get maimed by the stop sign so then papa brings over the pad for our fence because they're like flying down the zip line and ramming into the fence but I was just like, they would have never done this had I, like, put on a show. Not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, it takes them yeah. some time to get through, like, the, we're bored, you know what to do. It's kind of cold outside. I don't know. There's, like, a tramp. Have fun. But they just went out, built this, like, awesome little zip line, and the whole neighborhood was over just riding it and riding into the fence. That's so fun. But then it, and at the end... And, you know, a bunch of kids had gone on it and the rope on the pulley that was holding the stick that they used to hold on to, like, burned through. Cool. Luckily, it was my own kid. Lenny was, like, flying down it and just, like, it broke. And he just, like, landed standing straight up and the stick just, like, landed on his head, just, like, boom, on his head. <laughs> They're like, okay, we're going to take a break on this for a little bit. But anyways, high five to boredom. That's it was awesome. really cool. Yeah, that's so fun. It was fun to watch him. All right, guys, so today we are going to talk about siblings and sibling relationships, which 
can be tricky. And if you have multiple kids, I think it can be a source of stress, contention. And I don't know, I feel like sometimes in the day, it's like, can I do anything but help you guys figure out how to deal with each other? Like it can just get really exhausting. We have another episode on siblings. Um, this episode, we're going to be combining some of our favorite tips from a few different books and resources on handling sibling relationships. <clears throat> and so I think, you know, to start off, it's worth noting that sibling relationships, even though sometimes it feels like they're just battling all the time, I think they do teach us a lot and they make us normal. They absolutely like <laughs> like make us way less self-centered and all those things so even if you feel like your kids are fighting just know like it's normal and it's probably good for yeah them. and the experiences probably yeah overall are going to be for their good totally um but i think where everything starts is ourselves and whenever i have like a you know we're working on reading something or working on a podcast episode where i review something I already know. So the books we read were Peaceful Parenting, Peaceful Parents, Happy Siblings, mm -hmm. and Siblings Without Rivalry. It just recommits me to be intentional about how I parent my kids. And specifically with siblings, I think it's easy to get into assigning roles or getting like overly frustrated or emotional about them fighting or putting your adult like layering on it. So that's kind of the first tip we want to give when dealing with siblings. And this is just parenting in general is to really be aware of and regulating your own emotions, mm -hmm. which the only way to be in a space where you can do that is to be well rested, taking care of yourself, honoring like your feelings, whatever it is, like taking a moment to breathe before you move into handling a situation. But we can't we can't help our kids if we're like flying off the handle yeah. all the time. So Absolutely. that's our first tip. Yeah. And I love that I mean this this is, you know, pretty much most parenting books that I've ever written. But like modeling, like how we treat our kids and each other is how they are gonna they're gonna use that for how they treat each other. Mm -hmm. So I think Though no one's perfect at it and we all mess up and it's okay to realize that we are going to, but like focusing on how we regulate our own emotions, that's going to do one of the best things for our children when they're dealing with each other. Though there are still totally. going to be squabbles and there's going to be problems. I think it's a good thing to remember that like our relationship with them is actually probably one of the biggest things that's mm -hmm. going to help them with their own people. Um, I love that like with the breathing thing, because I think I have thought before, like when I'm in a tense situation with my children like, I'm like, okay, take a deep breath. Like, I know that this is going to help. And sometimes I'm like, is this helping me? Like, I'm yeah. like yeah. I don't know. I'm still feeling pretty ticked off or like, you know, right. whatever it is. But I think the cool thing actually that I love and research has shown this, that actually the more you do, so they say, for instance, like take five. So it's like you take five deep breaths. Mm -hmm. The more you do it, especially in situations that actually the quicker the response in your body and your brain mm. happens, which is kind of cool. Cause I think if you've done it before and you're like, this isn't working for me, like, I'm taking deep breaths and I still feel like really high, like high emotions, high stress, something cool that is the more you do it, your, your brain actually like 
learns to realize like, okay, no, no, like I can calm down and it actually happens quicker. So I think that's another thing to remember that it takes practice. And the more you practice, the better you become at regulating your own emotions and your body becomes a de-stressing more quickly. And I think it naturally builds in that pause that we always talk about when you're going into any situation, parenting one kid or siblings. It's like if you, because the expectation that we're just always this like rainbows, happy, like calm parent is not a great expectation right. to have. Like that's, it's more like, can we get back to a space of calm mm-hmm. before we deal with the situation and breathing, taking a pause, I think is probably the best tip for those. Like just realizing it's not an emergency. Like mm-hmm. your child doesn't have a knife and chase another one. Well, maybe that happens. <laughs> that might happen at my house sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. But like mostly it's not an emergency. Just like take a pause. And my, sometimes in that pause, my kid's, separate naturally or they solve the situation or it ends up being a game and a lot of times we jump in so quick mm-hmm. and it prevents them from getting the, that like benefit of the sibling relationship and maybe them res- being able to resolve it on their own yeah totally yeah i think um yeah i i definitely have felt that for sure and i think something cool is that when we do yeah i think like when we are able to pause, it shows our kids again. It's like the modeling. It shows our kids like I can take take a minute before like moving on, which I think is important. And can I just add to that? I mean, I had been a couple days ago with my kids, and I saw this issue. Somebody somebody had somebody else, and there were two kids. Anyway, the ski instructor came up with the girl who got hit, and he hadn't seen what happened. He just came in, saw that there was a. I'm going to call him an altercation because we're talking about siblings right now but it was a, a collision and he started just reaming this boy like i mean i mean like i was like about to cry for the kid I and mean, he was just getting into him because he had assumed he knew what had happened and it was interesting because then as over the next five minutes the boy was being so respectful and he finally when the guy gave him a chance to like say what had happened he explained it, and the kid's crying you know he's like i'm so sorry this is what happened and that instructor he felt so bad. He was like, I am so sorry. I just assumed I knew what happened and I just seen that the, you know, like it was, it felt like an emergency and I just came in and started yelling at you. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize this was the situation. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching this, I was sitting with my five-year-old and we were just like sitting on the side of the road because my five-year-old had also just crashed. So we were just, you know, parked nearby. And I thought to myself, this happens to me. This happens to all of us in parenting, right? Like we see something, we see the altercation. All we see is the collision, mm-hmm. so to say. You know what I mean? We just see that, <clears throat> and our automatic reaction is, "Whatever happened here is not okay." And I'm just gonna kind of flip out. But if we just take, just taking that pause, it solves. It can solve so many issues, and it allows them also. Like I mean, in this situation, had he just allowed them to like talk to each other, "Are you guys okay?" Like let them ask, because the kid is being respectful. Both of them were actually were okay. And they would have probably had a conversation about, sorry, that happened. They would have learned and been able to go on their way without this really huge emotional drama. And how often do I do that as a parent? I come in, I swoop in. I think I'm being helpful mm-hmm. by like refereeing it. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Stop, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And how much could I avoid of that emotional drama if I were just to allow? And again, I'm not talking about safety issues here. Right. But I'm talking <laughs> like when they're squabbling, if I were just to observe and maybe say something to help them coach them along with it but if i can not jump in with my own i know what's best here because i am the all-powerful adult 
And I think there's just so much to learn there of just taking a pause, not just jumping in. Because half the time, I didn't see it like that. Totally. Honestly, I would say more than half the time. I would say 75% of the time when my kids are getting mad at each other, I did not see what led up to it. Mm -hmm. Right. So me just jumping in without that pause is incredibly very and how many previous sibling interactions have happened in the weeks, months before that could have led up to that we have no idea, but we're just putting our adult perception of how it should be solved or what one is doing or not. But it's hard. It's way hard. Yeah. And seeing what you see, though, observing, like that's always yeah, appropriate, right? right. Like, wow, you guys are really upset. Right. Like, so you're really angry about it and you look scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. In totally. fact, health, it can mm -hmm. be really helpful. And we're going to dive into in the moment coaching um, along with emotional, you know, your own emotional awareness. The other tip that we have for being able to have a peaceful sibling environment in your home is to really focus on just connection in general. So specifically the strong connection with each individual child will equal happier sibling relationships and peaceful parents, happy siblings this is her main focus. Um, but it just, if you're maintaining that warm connection with each individual kid, you're, the buckets are full and they can just more easily handle those situations with the siblings because, I mean, sub at, at the most like, you know, like animalistic level, they're competing with like, in quotes, a scarce resource of your time, your attention, all of that. And so if they know that they have that and their books are full in that way, which when I'm saying this sounds really easy, it's hard when you have a lot of kids. Yeah. It's way hard. Sure. I would say it's probably the thing I feel the most like angsty guilt about with my kids is like, are they each getting enough of that individual attention from me? Yeah. So this is just like, I'm just saying, you know, connection, special time. It's not easy, but just that awareness of it, I think even will help you and you'll see that their relationships are easier because they're not just fighting for that yeah, all the yeah. time. I wonder well, and I'm wondering with you guys with older kids, cause I think I obviously only have the two kids just barely getting into that realm, but I feel like it would be easy. And you guys should tell me what you think. Like, I'm sure you can find pockets throughout the day that you can have like maybe even just short times with each kid. But do you also try to like maybe plant something? Because it seems like one of those things that it could just get away from you. Like oh. life goes on and then it's like you haven't been with one or more of your kids individually. So do you also try to maybe like plan times that you, even if it's 20 minutes or something, that's like, I want to do 20 minutes with this kid and this kid, you know? I yeah. Know. Do you guys and have I have really interesting that? thoughts on this because my kids are all so close together and there's four of them. And like, I've always had a baby and babies don't just wait while you do whatever you want. Right. They like you have to tend to them. They demand it. They right. demand. And I feel like, so her, uh, gosh, I'm spacing the author's, author's name. Will you find it for me? We'll, we'll tell you guys. To yeah. Siblings. But we will link it. But her, her big suggestion is to schedule in special time. She suggests 10 to 20 minutes every day for each kid. So, oh, Laura Markham. Yes. So to put that into perspective, if you have four kids, that's, what is that math? 80 minutes. She suggests 20, 10 to 20 minutes. A day? A oh. day. Okay. So for each kid. Yeah. That, when I read know, that, it scared me. That yes. scared me. It overwhelmed me. Yes. So I want to say that that is a fantastic suggestion 
but to not stress if on your calendar you don't have 20 minutes for Cohen. 20, because I think my biggest tip is like we get all these opportunities to connect with our kids throughout the day. But I think a lot of the times because they seem mundane, rote, just stuff we do, we don't take that time. Yeah. So just like capture that in the stuff you're already doing. Yeah. yeah. It's like when we talk with babies, diaper changes. Diaper changes when you're feeding them. The things that you're already doing turn them into times of connection. So in answer to your question, Lydia, I just want to kind of piggyback on what Felicia just said there. That I did I just call you Lydia? <laughs> but I love it. I love Lydia. So <laughs> we're going with it. <laughs> just mixing up my kid and my sister. It's fine. And I actually do this sometimes I call her Caitlin. So anyway. Um but are there times in the car? Or even, so for example, my oldest gets home 20 minutes before my other kids from school. So it's a small window. And it's usually just, she's having a snack and I'm standing at the kitchen counter talking with her. But she said something the other day, we were going somewhere. Oh, it was two moments. It was for a church activity. And my oldest is old enough to go, but my youngest is just a little younger. But I was teaching yoga. So I was like, hey, Sana, do you want to come to my youngest daughter? And my older was like, that car ride is the time that I have with just you. And she wanted it. It was, it's a five minute car ride. She's like, I just get, I don't get that time. Mm-hmm. So I actually want that for myself. I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks for telling me that. I won't admire that. Um, but I mean, even she's 13 and she values that like undivided attention is something that's kind of rare. So, and I feel like with Felicia, I mean, I know there's a direct correlation when my kids, there's been so many times where I'm looking at my kids and they're losing it. Maybe they're having a difficult time with emotional regulation. And when I look at them and think, what, what can I do here? Almost always the answer is that one needs connection. Mm-hmm. And one-on-one time, even if it's just 10 minutes, is the antidote to all the other stuff. Like I feel you right now with my second. She's like in, you can tell she needs more attention, more specifically conversation with just me. And it totally translates to the way she interacts with her siblings. Mm-hmm. So for us and our family, I've talked about this a little bit, but I think it's a great tip. Um, I think, yeah, looking at what, what you're already doing, can you spend time with individually kids and with individual children every day? But for me, that is challenging and sometimes overwhelming to think. For me, in just 10 minutes a day, that's 40 minutes. So my youngest gets hours, right? He's getting hours a day with me because he's the only one home still. But everybody else, there, it's a lot harder to find that time. And so um, me and my husband, we do once a month dates. And you know what's interesting? We actually, with the holidays, it got away from us. And we just forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And as a family, when we were having our week, we have a weekly family meeting on Sundays to kind of fun our week and talk about it. And I brought it up. I was like, guys, we haven't, we haven't done this for a little while. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh. Like, they were missing it mm-hmm. and so we had our first date in a while just this last week and it was amazing it just feel it fills both of your buckets it makes you have this enough connection that oh my god it's mad magical is really i think one-on-one time is truly magical with kids but what we do is just once a month we each take one kid so it sounds actually kind of like underachiever way to go because if you think that out loud that means i'm only getting one day every four months with the one kid, right? Because mm-hmm. I have four kids. So if I'm only going once a month, it takes four kid, four months to get all the way around. But then what we do with the other two that are home is we offer out to the grandparents, do you guys want to take these two on a date? They usually do it together. So they're not one-on-one dates, mm-hmm. but, and my girls are old enough now. So we always have it paired with one boy and one girl. So if the grandparents aren't available, then the girl 
it just becomes the babysitter and but we call it a date right mm-hmm. like you get to stay home you have special time have a date you know they get to have whatever food they want when i say whatever food they want it's like macaroni and cheese like i don't go get them food yeah. <laughs> but um but they either way they're having their special time together either with grandparents or without and i would say 90 of the time some grand one of the grandparents is available which i'm really grateful for i know that's um, a unique situation but then me and Jeff take turns with each kid and they get to choose the activity. So they get the night, they get to choose dinner, they get to choose what activity we do. And I feel like my kids with me choose rock climbing almost always, which I love. And, but with Jeff, they choose different stuff a lot, you know? So anyway, that's how, but the thing is you have to calendar it. So what I'm saying is having a system like that, I mean, we missed a few months, but I would say throughout our children's lives, we have almost always, done it like it's a once a month they can look forward to it they can depend on it it's not just like a sporadic like oh we're needing one-on-one time let's come up with something it's like no they know it's gonna happen once a month they look forward to it they even make i mean my oldest is really speaking of organization she like loves organizing what you guys are talking about which i don't understand she feels Mm -hmm. that (laughs) amazing feeling that i've never felt in my life um she loves to organize so she like actually she'll make calendars like to make to track whose turn it is next to go on our dates. That's cute. And so anyway, so I would recommend something like that for a bigger, I mean, I think you got to find the connection to daily, but having some kind of system, because systems is where it happens, right? Systems is how it actually happens. You have it in the calendar, the first Monday of every month. And if it's not the first Monday, it's sometime in that first week. You know what I mean? Like where you actually calendar it out and you have dates and it's huge and they feel, and it gives them a balance of connection and power because they are choosing the activity, you know, within yeah. realm, within reason, of course. So that's my favorite. That's one of my favorite parenting hacks of all time that I've ever done. All right, guys, before we go on with the show, if you're listening to this, driving carpool, doing dishes, um, maybe you just got up in the morning and everything is crazy. I feel you. <laughs> These last couple years have been so crazy for me. And sometimes in the morning, I am looking towards my day to find those pockets of peace where I can just breathe. Uh, And I have found something that is helping me lately. And I wanted to share all of it with you. And that is the Mama Zen app. We have a free trial for all of you guys with code MAGIC after you download Mama Zen on the App Store. Or on Google Play, it's M-A-M-A-Z-E-N, Mama Zen app. And I wanted to tell you why I think you should try your free trial with that code. It is so important for us to take control of our mental health. If anything else have been, has been apparent these past couple years, it is that our internal landscape, our inner stillness, what we can cultivate inside our own minds is so important. And... The Mama Zen app has helped me find a little bit of this stillness in my day. If you're experiencing impatience, anger, anxiety, yelling, then you need to download this app. Mama Zen is specifically created for our motherhood journeys. So they have super short emergency sessions for when your head is just spinning and you need to calm down right then. We all know that feeling when our patient's skin is thin. Um, There is absolutely just nothing else like Mama Zen. It's so dedicated to mental and emotional well-being of moms. So imagine a world 
where your kid has a tantrum, misbehaves, or just doesn't listen to you, and instead of flying off, you respond calmly to the situation, avoid yelling, avoid sapping. This is all something we have the ability to cultivate with a little bit of stillness, and Mama Zen can be that place that you can go to find that. So I really want you to try Mama Zen, see for yourself. Go to the App Store or Google Play, download Mama Zen today. That's M-A-M-A-Z-E-N. Right now you can use promo code MAGIC and that code will unlock your free trial. So you can just try it and see if you like it. The most important thing for you, your kids, and your family is your emotional well-being. So don't postpone any longer. Okay, so continuing on with connection and ways to create that. So my children are obviously really small. I have a baby and a two-year-old. And so um, I think the importance of setting up positive experiences between them from the beginning is really helpful. And they talk about that in some of the books, um, like Sibling Without Rivalry, that there is going to be so many um, you know, negative experiences and conflicts that happen between siblings all throughout life that we want to create, um, we've talked about the idea behind like an emotional bank account, like putting in positive deposits because there are going to be withdrawals as fights come along or conflicts or just squabbles over anything. And so we want to, as parents, I think we do have the power to be able to at least create some positive deposits, especially when they are little. And so some things that I have done that may seem really simple, but just in the four or five months that my little one, my little baby has been around, I have actually seen some really good things come along. And I think it's because it's just creating these positive experiences that they can kind of like build on together. So, um, because right now, Will, my baby can't, he can't like take away toys back from him, you know? So like right now, I feel like I almost have the ability to be able to like really create this because there's not really, Will's not really like doing anything back to Emmett right now. So um, some things, this might seem really simple, but we like right after Cam went back to work is when I started to notice, cause when Cam was home from work, like there wasn't really any big problems, but when he went back and then it was like just me and the two kids, I felt like I was like starting to see some of that. Like I could tell Emmett was like, okay, who is this kid? Like, who's this kid coming in? Like, who's my mom gonna choose? Um, and so, some things I was like, okay, hey, we need to like almost change the, like, like do a little bit of a reset. And so this seems simple, but I was like, we need to do some sort of like interactive game where like he can like feel really positive towards the baby. And so I put the baby on the bounce on like his little bouncer seat. So he was like off the ground kind of like set up. And then I actually did this when Cam was home, but I mean, I've done since when he's not, but, um, then we would just like go to one end. So like my kitchen and living room are like one big open area. And we just went to one end and we would be like, I'd be like okay, this time we're going to run around baby Will like three times and then give him a kiss on the belly and run back. And then, so like we would do that. And then I'd be like, okay. And, and it would just like love it. He would laugh. And then we would talk to baby Will every time we came around him. So I'd be like, now we're going to tell him things that we love him. And then we would do like things. And because I was like running around with Emmett, it was just this fun, like, way to like have baby will quote unquote play with us and he was having fun because he's just like watching us do this but it was good because I feel like Emmett was like playing with him in a fun way and I actually again it sounds like really simple and maybe I'm kind of dumb but my point is that anything that I think involves them in a way that creates this positive experience I actually like did feel like I noticed a shift in how he 
acted towards the baby, which was good. Um, so, yeah, I, I love those tips. You know, something that came to my mind that I love doing with my kids when they were that age, just as simple as, as you're changing your baby's diaper, you can invite your two-year-old, first of all, to help in a positive, not like a, <laughs> no, you no. must help because then that would be a negative withdrawal, but a positive because two-year-olds love to be helpers. Yeah. So like, and oh, like can that. you get a warm wipe? Yeah. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then can you do this? And then can you kiss him on the belly while I do, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. whatever it is that the baby likes and the, so, you know, like you put the diaper on, like, yeah, we did it. And then like, okay. You have a belly button kiss. I get belly button kiss. Oh, wait, now I want to kiss you. You're a belly button. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. So you are just those fun things. lights. If this isn't my interaction with the baby, isn't just a me and the baby thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're also part of it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because naturally, babies, like we've talked about, they do just those simple acts of caregiving, do sometimes take some time. And so, yeah, I think that's a great way to set it up. Another thing that we've done, and again, these are just ideas that I think added to it. Like, Whenever we read books, if there's like in the book, there's certain food, you know, there's a food, we always pretend to eat it. We're like, ooh, blackberries, like we'll eat them. And then, and I always like, I'll always feed them to Emmett and then I'll feed it to Will. And it's cute because just me doing that, like Emmett does the same thing. Like he'll, he'll pick it up and feed it to me, feed it to himself and feed it to Will. And that might seem like a really simple thing, but it's cute because he, you can tell he's like, oh, but did Will get some? Like, did Will get some of it? And so anyway. It's like, a good, those are all good things that I like to think about that's like, okay, what am I doing to create maybe some of these small positive experiences? Then sometimes throughout the day, there might be some things that don't happen, but I think overall is the emotional bank account, hopefully in the positive and at least right now, because of where I'm at, I feel like it is. So, yeah. And I think it's all in that, like when you're saying that, I just think of the environment you're creating where you're modeling, um, <clears throat> showing love and respect towards all the people in your family because I think it's easy when we're overwhelmed to get like just stop a second I need to change the baby's diaper like stop you know Mm -hmm. and that's like the baby's a burden and your burden all this is not working for me which I've felt and said (laughs) (laughs) but I think that environment where it's all of us are important to our family and we need we need all of us here that connection I think helps our kids also feel that about their siblings if they see us feeling that yeah and modeling that yeah and something that kind of goes along with that one of the tips they have in siblings without rivalry is to not lock your children into their family role constellation mm-hmm. so for example what you just said there i mean it's so easy as a parent to be like you're the oldest like i need you to like you need to, you need to get together because i'm done with the baby right here which does just they said that that's one of the things that as adults, a lot of the poppers that I'm about is because I was the oldest, I had to do everything. Or because I was the youngest, you, you know what I mean? Like you always did this, this, and this, and this, or you didn't go to my stuff because you'd already gone to my sibling stuff, whatever. So every every age order has its things that can, that can actually be resentful about over time. But with small children especially, I think a really fun thing to do is to allow your older kids to have their roles reversed because when they see you taking care of a baby i mean a lot of times when they start acting baby like we're like oh my gosh stop it you're not a baby you know what i mean but if we can actually see okay so they're wanting to hold them a lot more because they're obviously needing some attention here so if you can if it's a moment where you can giving them some actual time to like lean into it like do you want to you know what i mean like i can see you want some attention do you want to pretend like you have a feet you know what i mean like and just imaginary you're like hold them and rock them like a baby like oh baby and it's playful, 
but you're kind of allowing them to be a, I'm not saying you're allowing them to always act like a baby. I'm just saying that you can experiment through play, mm -hmm. allowing them to kind of try on different roles because it is a loss when they've gone from being the baby. So yeah. they're no longer the baby anymore. And as an older, <laughs> I used to watch some really hilarious thing about being an oldest kid the other day. And he's like, he's like, it's not a responsibility. It's a calling. <laughs> and also the overwhelming responsibility. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of pressure as the oldest or the older kids to feel like you got it. You have to make sure that you're pulling the load. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's another just through play of tip. You can allow your older kids to kind of try out on that yeah. through play, being a baby. And then as the kids get older, little kids love that too. Like, hey, let's let's pretend like you are nine years old. Not really two. You know what I mean? How about you get a you know, set the table today? Because that's usually your older sister's job or whatever. You know what I mean? And I'm gonna help yeah. you you know, whatever. But you're just kind of letting them try it on to meet those specific yeah. needs, which I think is a fun way to do it my kids love when they do things like that where we're kind of letting them try on different yeah i wanted to add i actually because emmett actually i can tell he's had those ambivalent feelings of like yeah i'm big but then he's like but he's he's lately been like mommy i'm a baby i'm a baby and you can tell he's like almost mourning the loss of like i'm not like the bait like he'll say you know and you can tell like in some ways he's kind of laughing like oh i can't walk like i can't do this but then and it's cute because i can tell he like wants that though he like misses some of that and so um another thing that i actually have read recently and i realized because i'm kind of like thinking into the potty training realm and i realized without even meaning to that i was saying certain things like oh yeah but like you're a big boy and you get to do this but i actually read that that it can backfire and actually be a little bit harmful because in a lot of ways being quote unquote a big boy or a big girl isn't actually that fun like it's not all that what it's worked <laughs> up to be like when we say things because Anyway, for instance, like, I feel bad what we got, we got rid of the binky, and I was like, yeah, like, because only babies have binky. So I think that's, like, part of the thing, too, where he's like, I don't really like yeah, this I big boy. Yeah, I'm good. You know what I mean? This actually wasn't that fun, you know? So anyway, so that's actually something I'm letting you guys know, and as listeners, that actually, we don't have to even use that rhetoric, because it's not helpful, really, for them or for us, because it's just really, I mean, I'm sure it sometimes can be, but I think it's... But no, as you're saying, anytime you're pushing somebody to you're using that term there's an underlying thing of shame of being a baby then yeah exactly it kind of like puts that. them under a little bit yeah so yeah and i i realized without doing it that it was like you know maybe this is just not really serving anybody because yeah exactly what i say puts the baby a little bit under and it's kind of like well but actually even being a big boy isn't like some of these things aren't like some of these things are fine but some of these things i'm not a real fan which i empathize with i mean as you were talking about that i was like that's kind of how being an adult is yeah you're like this is kind of great because i have a lot of power but also can i go back to being yeah can we be done now no. yeah. <laughs> can i just not be responsible for this anymore yeah. and just go back to taking care of me and that also kind of goes along with physical affection so i don't know about you guys i'm speaking for myself here but when my older kids if i'm like trying to get stuff done and they come up and do this i think i mentioned this before when my little tiny like you know He's, I mean, he's is my baby. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> when he comes up and like puts his arm up and he wants a hug, like I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, let me just snuggle you. Two year olds, babies, all of those. Even when my, because I'm a touchy person, so like I mean, even when my personal bubble has been like overloaded, when they're little, I'm still just like pile on, like bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. <laughs> it's not, 
for so long. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Oh, and can't Okay. Anyway, um, but when my older kids, not that I'm not affectionate with my older kids, but if I am kind of like bustling around trying to get stuff done, my 10-year-old has started, she comes up to me, she puts her hands, like she tucks them in kind of like by her chest, and then she just comes over and like leans into me while I'm doing something. <laughs> and at first when she's doing it, I was like, I'm doing the dishes. Like, what are you doing here? You know what I mean? And it wasn't. I mean, it took me maybe a few seconds, or I think she maybe had done it once or twice. And I was like, what's happening? But I realized she just needs some affection. She wants me to hold her. Mm-hmm. But she's 10, so she can't ask the same way that my five-year-old asks. Mm-hmm. She doesn't come and just plopped into my lap anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was her way of being like, you can tell she like wants something, but she wasn't overtly asking for it. So now I see her, she walks in, and she's also my, even as a baby, she had a really high quota of wanting snuggles. She's like a snuggly girl. So now when she walks in, I actually just go and I just like wrap her up and give her a hug. And she does that same pose. It's like this little (laughs) pose. And I just hold her and hold her until she pulls away. And with her, it's actually a long time. But what I'm saying is even as your kids get bigger, I think there is something wonderful about like, let me actually hold you like a baby. And guys, as I'm saying that, as an adult, I like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I love it. I mean, it's tricky because there's only one person in my household who is bigger than me who can do this. (laughs) And my poor husband has nobody who's bigger than him. So... (laughs) that choice he doesn't have any options <laughs> but i love it if i can like sit on his lap and just like snuggle him like a baby i love that feeling mm-hmm. so i think it's okay to see our children as they have still needs for affection even as they get older and you can't you're not like indulging them in a bad way if you allow them to like snuggle into you like a baby because yeah we all kind of want that but they just don't i don't feel like a lot of kids as they get older can ask for that but it can create resentment when you they see you lavishing their smaller mm-hmm. siblings with all sorts of attention mm-hmm. and love and kisses and hugs and they want that but they can't ask for it mm-hmm. they felt weird asking for it so that's just something to keep in mind is you can still give them hugs and snuggles and whatever it is as they need a hug so we're not forcing anything here but just right. that's something to consider that i've noticed in my older children that they still have that need and i think a lot of times that when you're saying need it, I think it is like a real, like physical affection is like a need we have, but I think it's sometimes perceived as needy. Like, especially in American culture, it's like be independent. Like you're eight now and you need to be out of my face and like doing your own thing. And so it's easy to get stuck in that instead of realizing, I don't know. I think when we give a little bit more of that sort of affection, even though it feels like, indulgent i think it does fill their buckets and then they are able to do more on their own Mm -hmm. so the last point on connection that we wanted to touch on is um we've talked about modeling the importance of our appreciation of the other family members and i think we can do that through um things like just family dinner and making sure that everybody's there and making sure that you know we're showing them that our time as a family is important. And that takes, honestly, it's hard. And I think Terrilyn can speak to this the most because she has so many people with different schedules, but getting that routine and those small traditions of togetherness and emphasizing, you know, this is our family value that we appreciate each other, mm-hmm. I think is goes, I mean, we all know the research on family dinners, but I just think it goes so far to show our kids that 
um, our bond as a family is more important than like your peer connection. It's like, we appreciate all of you. And I don't know, Terrell, maybe you have tips because right now, you know, when my older kids have like a sport, we have to adjust dinner time. Like that's the only way to really do it. But I mean, what about when everybody's going different places? Mm -hmm. okay, that's a very good question. <laughs> For me, how we have three times that we try to connect every day. And the great thing about having three is that if one of them doesn't work out, you still have two, right? Mm -hmm. So our three times are one in the morning before school. And this is just me with my younger three kids because my older daughter has already left. Mm -hmm. So Literally, I mean, so it's only four of us out of the six people in our family, but I still think it's a good, and Lydia used to be a part of it before she went to junior high, but I mean, it takes five minutes and it's our, it's our essentials. We've talked about so many times, we'll link, but I mean, we do, we do breathing, we do a breathing exercise, pray, scripture, poetry, and then we, I have them visualize their day, so I have them imagine uh, a light, they're like shining a light on their day and they picture what's going to happen in the day they picture it going well. Mm -hmm. And we go all the way to bedtime. And this takes less than five minutes. So, I mean, this is a very short thing. And I actually have them put on their coats so they have their coats, their backpacks on, their shoes on, and we sit where we can hear the carpool mm -hmm. honk, right? Or before we get in the car. So, I mean, we're like all ready at this point. It's literally the last thing we do before we leave. But it is this, and I used to, before we started carpooling, we'd actually do it in the car. So, mm -hmm. And that was with all, that was when Lydia was with us also. So again, that's so tiny, but it's our first of the day. Like we're having this, we're having a touch point. We're having this thing that like anchors us. We're connecting. We hug. We always do a little, um, I'm doing it with my hand. You can't see what I'm doing here. But we do a kissing hand, like where everybody gets a kissing hand. If you've ever read that book, it's oh, dark. such a good book. I'll post, so I'll, I'll link that as well. But, you know, we kiss each other's hands and then we do this little sign. It's, we do the sign language sign for I love you and we put our fingers up against each other. I mean, you can't see this, but just picture it. Two I love you signs. And then we say, I love you. And you take away your pinkies and you bring your pointer finger and your thumb together and it makes an infinity sign forever. So we say, I love you forever. And then we go, la, 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 like <laughs> big hero six. So those are just tiny, tiny, tiny. It's just, but it's a ritual, right? It's a ritual we do every single day. It's our first touch point. Our second touch point is um, this one is not regular, so I'm not going to count it. It's after school snacks, and that's just with whoever's there, which is different every day. But our second, our second good touch point is dinner time, and that's the tricky thing is you do have to just, and that's when we calendar. So we calendar at the beginning of every week, and this is actually one of the tips from siblings out rivalry as well. They're like having a family meeting every week helps so much with sibling rivalry. Why? Because people know where they're going. And there isn't this like discombobulation of like, I don't even know what's happening, which helps with siblings and relationships. So every Sunday we plan our week. So everybody knows what's happening during the week. And that's when we plan where we're going to have our dinners. Mm -hmm. So it's like, a, okay, this day we're not going to have dinner till seven because that's when it's going to work. Or this day we and Lydia have something at seven. So we got to make sure we're eating <laughs> on Wednesdays. We have a half an hour window. <laughs> so it's like we have 6.15 to 6.45. So everybody knows like we got to, I know I'm going to have dinner like out mm -hmm. and, and it's good, but then everybody knows it. Right. So our second touch point is dinner. And I would say most days that works. We actually have dinner all together and then there are a few days week that doesn't work. And then the last time, and I would say we're probably six out of seven days a week. We can do this sometimes five days, depending on how late our Wednesday night trajectory goes. Um, oh, and our date night. So actually now that I'm saying this, this only happens four to five times a week. But we always 
when we go to bed, we take the boys up, they go in their rooms, and we do like a little um, spiritual thought, and we talk about it. And sometimes this lasts like two minutes. Sometimes we'll start having a really good conversation about God, and it's beautiful and wonderful. And you know, it only lasts fifteen minutes because all the kids are participating. And like Jeff and I, as we leave, we're like high five. I'm like, yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, but it's before whoever puts the boys to bed. Then the girls and whoever's not putting the boys to bed that night just leaves. But we pray and we do our scripture again or memorize the scripture. But again, it's this moment. It's a tradition. It's a ritual. It's a ritual. That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's this connecting ritual that happens. Everybody knows it happens every single night. We're all together, whether that's at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., like sometime in that range. And so for us, those are the times that work for our family. But as I say that, even as I said them out loud, none of these are happening every single day. It's the cumulative of most of them are happening most days. Mm-hmm. So in 365 days, we're getting 310, right. you know, but it all adds up because since there's three types of day for that connection, I think there's this beautiful place for ritual of belonging, which does help all, and it's cute because all the kids do help each other with the different things, right? Like when we memorize this stuff together, it's cute because they'll have like the older ones with the little ones and then the little ones, if the little ones sometimes they get it first and it's really exciting for them or whatever. Mm-hmm. They practice anyway it gives a lot of cool opportunities so those are my those are my tips for that family meeting and create within your day and the reason why i went to so much detail explaining those is to show that they don't go out long mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like my first ritual of the day is less than five minutes long mm-hmm. and the last ritual can be five minutes sometimes more but it's not like it's a long thing yeah and even dinner itself sometimes it's only half an hour yeah. from sit down to clean up I appreciate that because I think with having such little kids, we don't have, you know, I'm with them pretty much all day, every day. Like we don't have that. So I really appreciate that because I think we've got enough connection. Yeah. As kids get older, it's, it obviously is like, it's clear that it is hard to find those touch points. So I think you gave some good concrete examples of like, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate either. The fact that you are touching and you have these rituals that kids can look forward to. I also really like, the family meeting thing I think is good too because then kids also know. I don't know if you guys do this in your family meeting, but they also know that's a time where maybe I can air my grievances in a way that like sometimes you just don't get throughout the you know throughout the week yeah. where it's like or it comes out in non-productive ways yeah. throughout the week. So well, that is actually part of our family meeting. Is it is the time where if you have a grievance to bring up, you can bring it up. I mean, it doesn't happen often to be honest, but. When we talk about it, it is like, this is the place where, mm-hmm. and it's great because we can coach on, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we can say, okay, so yeah, I can see you're frustrated about that. So what is the best way to, is, first of all, is there a way to solve it? Mm-hmm. Second of all, is that just that person's doing something to bother you, right? So yeah, no, it's that's a great time to air what's working, what's not working. Yeah. And you're all prepared and ready. So it isn't like you're like, because criticism just thrown out of nowhere at her. Yeah. But when you're all sitting there having a productive discussion. Yeah. And when you're like ready, because like everybody's well fed, nobody's tired, you know, like I feel like that helps to have a place where it's like, this is a good place to do it. And as parents, because I think as I'm saying it, kids probably sometimes don't think like, I'm going to come prepared with this problem that I have been having. But as a parent, if you're noticing the same, same like pitfalls every single time where it's like between a couple siblings or multiple siblings, this is where we're going wrong. Then as a parent, it's like, okay, I'm noticing this is an issue. Let's yeah. talk about it. So. And my kids are actually more receptive. So it's usually for me when I bring up something, it's, hey guys, this isn't working. At the end of dinner time, did you guys notice that everybody just left? Like, you know, they did their, they always do their own ditch, but you know what I mean? Like, they just, and everybody just left. And it took, you know, an extra 20 minutes for the one person who stayed behind. But like, we all worked till it's done. 
they're much, they listen during the family meeting. Whereas with this exact same thing, literally last week, like the kids had already left and I'm like, guys, come back. You know what I mean? Like, right. come help. <clears throat> and I was kind of, I'm not like mad, but I was like kind of frustrated, but they had already moved on to their stuff. And it was like not a time of reception. <laughs> like they were not receiving it. Mm -hmm. But in that meeting, they're like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, we totally can work together for that. Mm -hmm. Whereas just in passing, we're just throwing out corrections there and there. It just sounds like heartbeat. You know what I mean? Where I'm always like, hey, you didn't do that. Hey, do this, do that. You know what I mean? And it's easy as a parent for me to feel like I want to do it all the time. Right. It's really not effective for and I think that's speaking to rule, like how you can make rules or like boundaries or anything like that that can come off. I think our kids get a little uh, put up there. You can see them just like glaze over when you start to go into that like nagging-ish mode. But if they're a set ritual or schedule or just something we do or routine, I think they fall into it really easy and they are receptive. And that's setting up those. This is when we have dinner. This is when we have our family meeting. And those sound, those are connecting rituals. But if you're just flying by the seat of your pants in the moment, they become like a naggy yeah. rule thing. Yeah. So and this is, I feel like now we're just going to like family hacks. But this, and again, where it's helping your siblings, like the kids with their sibling relationships. But one of my favorite conversations we've had with my kids about when we were problem solving things like this. I had noticed my kids were really, they were being unkind to each other, really. I mean, it, and it was becoming like, I just felt like it was a lot. Like, why are we always getting mad at each other here? And so we came up with a, and we've talked about this, I think, in our, I'll, I'll post this one, but I think it was about our traditions where we talked about the intent of a chat. But anytime we have a little code as a family, it makes you feel connected and mm -hmm. like you have a secret language. So our thing is when somebody's being just, like, you feel like they're just being mean. Because sometimes, like, there were several examples where, you know, my son would say to my daughter, you were being so mean there. And you could tell she was like, I wasn't being mean. I was just asking you to do this. So what we say is, if you feel like somebody's being mean, you say, Jack, that's our code word, right? And that's for the person to feel like they can look inside themselves. And for me, I want to know that. Because there's a lot of times where I don't feel like I'm being mean at all. But they're perceiving it as mm. me. So we just say the word dragon and just that little code word has helped so much. Cause I'll hear something and be like, you know, yeah, come over here. And they'll be like, dragon. <laughs> like, oh, um, can you come put this thing away that you got out? Cause you got on my shirt and you didn't put it away. You know what I mean? Like, like the tone changes everything. But that came up during a meeting. Like that was during a family That's meeting. That's cool. That that, it was like, this is the problem. What can we do? And it's just, anyway. So that's another fun, cause it makes your kids feel like they're like in a club together. Yeah. And they're involved the in the rules and the routines instead of it's just being put on them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. We, lastly, we're going to touch on coaching in the moment when your kids are fighting. Um, we will also link, we have had this question a lot. Um, and we have a few episodes where we give specific examples on this, but when siblings start fighting and especially when it turns physical, you know, I, I think a lot of times as parents, we go into that fight or flight. It's like, it's just a natural reaction. If any of your kids is getting hurt, it's really hard not to get super worked up about it. So <clears throat> my first tip is going to be we, how we react to the situation tells our kids 
the intensity. Yeah. So if we're like flying in, like, oh my gosh, you hit him. Obviously that's going to take, it's either going to scare them, which doesn't help, or it's going to make them feel, yeah, this is intense. Like I should be hitting. Like it just takes it. Yeah. Like way up. So I, in Peaceful Parents, Happy Siblings, um, Lauren Markham says, if, so your goal to be always calm, that's not real. Like none of us are just always perfectly calm. And we see our five-year-old smack our three-year-old across the face. Mm -hmm. It's not about like, oh, that's fine with me. It's about returning to calm. So that might mean taking a few breaths before you interact or separating them so they're not hurting each other and then taking a few breaths and that's okay you don't need to have the answer right in the moment and we talk about this with our concept of the pause before any discipline and it's just that same concept can you create can you take a breath bring the whole situation down and create some safety and i think also looking into their eyes and addressing their action calmly is so big because that you're saying I'm the big person and I'm in control of this Mm -hmm. situation. So if you're like, oh, and like, how do you guys do this? And you're storming around and you're not that. I kind of picture a tree, like I'm here, kind of, I'm in the middle of this. I can handle this. I'm breathing. I'm calm. And you're kind of holding, you're protecting them and you're holding a space physically, but then also emotionally, you're not just adding your emotions to the fire. You've neutralized and, and come to a like centered space. I would say that's my first tip. And I say, if you can bring that energy to the situation, there's a lot of times where you don't even have the same thing. Cause they, they know not to hit each other. They, they know all this. We don't have to have a lecture, but it's just bringing that energy and holding that space for them, I think is really big. Something that I really like that Laura Marker talks about in both her books and the peaceful parenting happy kids and then peaceful parenting happy siblings she talks about this idea because sometimes and i i don't know because my kids are so little i don't know if i've quite had an experience like this but i love the idea that when because sometimes i think when our kid does something wrong that like we're like that is not okay for you to you know hit your your baby brother or whatever it is it's like in our minds yeah we have we are like up here emotionally but what i like is that because sometimes she's like it's it's not always important for us to like we don't have to right then be saying like, hey, listen, like that. Like we don't have to like give them the lecture right then. If we are feeling like kind of like in the fight or flight like brain, we can, if we can show them that like, we just need to like, you know, like take a break. That's also sh- like, we are showing them that like we can regulate our own emotions. And therefore again, modeling for them, it's like when they feel those big emotions, it's again, just showing them that as they grow older, like, Sometimes it does take, you know, like taking a couple deep breaths and maybe like not saying anything right away. Like they see us being able to like regulate our own emotions and that in itself actually like does a lot more than sometimes actually having to like say something, which I thought was good. And yeah, if we can, so after, so you hold that space, you're, you create that calm, bring the emotion down. I think after that, my favorite tip for when our kids are in a, <clears throat> little battle is from Janet Lansbury. She calls this technique sports casting. You're removing your adult perception of the situation and just repeating back to them or saying what you see not. So 
you were being really mean. It's not that. It's, I saw you hit him. And then it's to the other sibling. It looks like you're upset about that. Or hopefully, or even better is, can you tell me what happened? And then you just repeat back to them what they, what they said. So I was playing with the blue Lego and Johnny came up and stole my blue Lego and chucked it on my head. And so sports casting is, so you were playing with the blue Lego and you feel like Johnny took it and then threw it at you. So you're just repeating back to them what just happened in the situation and what often happens and what I see happen with my kids is that this airing of their grievances makes it easier for them to brainstorm a resolution. And the resolution might be, I don't want to play by him anymore. And it's great as a parent, you can facilitate, okay, you play in this corner, you play in this corner, and we can try to play with Legos again later together. So I like sports casting because it's helpful to remove my perception of what's going on and just let the kids uh, air it out. Because there's so many times when I think something or there's been history with the situation and I want to layer it on or I want to teach a lesson mm -hmm. and it's just really not helpful in the moment of the fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think putting, I love, and especially for kids that are less verbal, um, I love the like the thought of just like putting feelings into words because sometimes like they aren't able to say well, I'm not happy because he did this and this is why you know or and again sometimes maybe we haven't seen the whole thing but you can still do putting the feelings into words of like you seem really upset and if I like that Janet Lansbury also says even just using like if you're not totally sure what they're feeling like whether it's like sadness or embarrassed or whatever it may be you can even just use the words upset because that's actually helpful to like not put a feeling on mm -hmm. anyway i think that's something that's been helpful for me is putting the feelings into words and then maybe express what the child may wish if they aren't quite verbal enough to really articulate it themselves because i'm definitely in that stage yeah and having them brainstorm their resolution is so nice because you know it's a natural consequence of the fight like if you if you fight as an adult and you can get to a place where you can brainstorm how you can come to a better place that that's life. But if you as the mom is like, so now you have 10 minutes sitting on the counter and that is, you know, first of all, it's taking it all on you. Like now you're the yeah. overseer of this situation and it takes away their responsibility. And also it makes it so they're not coming up with any good solutions themselves. You're just doing it all for them. So you're just, you know, solving the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sports testing is really helpful especially at all ages. It's helpful for me at my kids' mm -hmm. ages. And it was helpful for me when they were two. So <laughs> it's really good. Our last thing that we just want to touch on when it comes to siblings, for me, is obviously one of the more important topics, and that is comparison. So we all know that comparison as adults is not helpful, nor is it helpful with children. But I just want to point out a couple things that I think we do, and we don't think of it as comparison, but it is. So, um, and if you look, there's a lot of, adults who talk about what issues did you have as a child comparisons like at the key of it you know my parents said she was the pretty one and I was the smart one both of those things aren't good right like I mean they're both pleasant things to be but if you hear your parents saying over and over and over in compliments they're just trying to compliment I mean of course I mean everybody who's listening to this knows that yes labeling your child as the trouble child, which, and I have friends who are wonderful parents who I've heard say this in front of their children. Oh yeah, this guy, he is my hard kid. 
in front of them, like saying that in front of them. So that, I mean, clearly that label is not going to serve them. But I'm saying even the labels that we think are positive, when you say, she is my really smart one, and oh man, she, this one, she is just my bubbly social butterfly. Those two, I, I've seen that same thing. This one time that happened, there's two girls standing by this mom. She puts one hand out and says, she is so smart and she is so social. And both the looks on those girls' faces, I mean, they just had this like shadow on their face because you could tell all they were hearing was, I'm not social and I'm not smart, the other one, right? Mm -hmm. And so even that kind of complimenting comparison does damage to our children. I'm not saying you can't tell your one child that she has a gift with people, but I'm saying that's what you say on your one-on-one -on -one date. Mm -hmm. Like you're with her and you're saying things that you appreciate about her. I appreciate how you can see people and connect with them. But in that conversation, you don't even mention her sister mm -hmm. at all. Whether, and this is something they go into in the book also in Siblings Without Reverie, is even if it's to insult the sister, because you think it's building them up, right? You think saying, you know what, your sister, she is not as good with people as you are. Like I notice she snaps at people and she says me and stuff and you don't do that. And I appreciate that. Even saying that you're taking away the compliment you were giving her. You're taking it away because you're turning it into, and it's really valuable because it's better than your sister. So you're damaging the relationship, even if you do that. So that to me is like a sneaky thing because it feels like I've actually felt that desire before, even with comparing ages, like I'm so glad that you can do this because my little brother, he can't even do that yet. Mm -hmm. And you're saying it because you're thinking it's going to build them up, but it's not helpful. You're just taking away their relate, you're damaging their relationship, but you're also saying that I value you because you're better. Mm -hmm. And that is, again, we're creating a hierarchy in our lives as adults. We already do that enough to ourselves. I'm good at this, but where am I at in the hierarchy? There's so many better writers than me. There's so many better at this than me. And so we can't actually even see our own selves clearly because we're done, we're comparing ourselves. Right. So how do we expect our children to ever grow up to be adults who just see themselves for their own merits if we're constantly putting their things we value about them up next to other people's? So I would say keep your, I mean, I'm not going to call it criticism. I'm going to call it feedback. When you have a child who needs to work on something, that's one-on-one -on -one conversation of, I do notice that you're calling, you're, you're calling people names a lot. Let's talk about that. Why is it not helpful? Whatever the feedback is, or I notice you're not doing your chores, whatever. That's just between you and them. Also, what you love about them and their benefit, their strengths, that's also between you and them. And that kind of conversation can fill their souls. Although we could go into a whole nother thing about praise, but just, you know, things you appreciate about somebody. But never, ever, 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 do we, when, anytime we do those kind of labeling things in front of our children as a group, we're just locking them into their roles mm -hmm. and making them feel like they're not the thing that you just said about the mm -hmm. other sibling. So to me, again, we all know we don't want to tell our kids that they're, oh man, this kid, he's school. It's whew. I just heard the other day, this boy told me he's 13. I was talking with him. I'm like, how's school going? And he said, oh, I'm not going to school. And I was like, oh, how did I say it? I was saying something like, I don't, I don't know. I said something like some like coaching thing, you know, like I was trying to reframe it for him. And his dad was right there. And I don't know why I'm getting so much about this, but <laughs> his dad was like, oh no, he really like, he really like, um, how do we say it? He's like, he has my genes, so he has no chance or something like that. And you know, his dad's a smart guy. Mm -hmm. And I know this kid, it's like, he has like a learning, he doesn't, he doesn't have a specific like issue. It's just, he has to work hard at school. And, but you can tell like to his dad, who probably has it from when he was a kid, 
and to this point and again the look i don't know like the look on a kid's face when you can tell like they're being reinforced that that is their role it's like we're just putting these fences around our kids and there's no there's no need for the fence right mm -hmm. and there's also nothing wrong with the struggle and acknowledging that there is a struggle but to like to say that yes like this kid school is just not their thing that doesn't serve them at all right in a public setting like there's just a difference what i'm trying to say is there's a difference between what we talk about our kids in a loving way one-on-one -on -one, and the stuff we say in front of people is the stuff that they remember mm -hmm. i mean how many times have you heard an adult say something like yeah my mom always pointed out my older sister's dresses but she never pointed out my mm -hmm. just little dumb stuff like that but then you wear a dress as an adult like i've heard like a 30 year old woman say I put on this dress and all I can think of is my sister would look better in this dress. Mm -hmm. Because they can hear that voice in their head, you know? It's, it's or we know the feeling as an adult where we want to do something or we want to, you know, maybe it's like sing and dance, but we feel that box that we were put into that we're the get her done and we're not silly and or whatever we fill those boxes and those are all the barriers that we have to break down when we're adults to be able to, you know, be embrace who we really are. And those are the little boxes that we're putting around our kids when we label them like that or compare them to their siblings. Yeah. So, and it affects everything. I just talked to a woman the other day who said she was really good at math. So she's my age now. So mid thirties, she was really good at math. In fact, any of you are going to hear her, her interview is amazing. And um, she said she was really good at math and very analytical. And so, her parents, in a, in a desire to just compliment her, always focused on that and would tell everybody, she's great at math, she's so analytical. And she said when she got older, she was actually wanting, she's like, I felt the desire to create. But she's like, I felt like I couldn't. I couldn't create because I'm analytical, right? So how can I expect to even have a portion of creation in my life if my strength is that? So I mean, that's an example of well-meaning parents who just overdid the this is what you are. Not just I value that this is the strength of yours, but like turn it into from I know this is about you and I appreciate you to a this is your identity. That ended up she did have to like break through it, right? Like turns into a cage. So she was, and as I say that, I mean it's good to be aware of, but it's kind of overwhelming to think of yeah. all the ways we could put cages around our children well-meaningly, you know. Right. But it's just good to be aware of. Yeah. When are we expressing appreciation individually? And when does that turn into an identity that we are now locking our children into? Mm -hmm. But none of that should ever be done anyway in front of other people. So. Well, we might need to deep dive identity and labels, apparently. <laughs> but thank you for joining us for a little chat about siblings. And we always appreciate if you guys leave us a review with any questions you have on this topic or any other topics. All right, let's find the magic. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>